0: Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Comets Tale podcast. Ty's gonna get connected in a second, but we have a um, special guest today. Do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Oh, sure. Thank you for having me. My name is Erin, and I know Caitlin and Ty from high school, and. Otherwise, Caitlin and I worked together also this <laughs> for a brief and
0: great amount of time. Oh, a truly wonderful experience. A, a, <laughs> oh man, it seems so far away now. Wow, it really does. This
1: is cool this like Spotify for a podcasting
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fun – it's very easy, too, Um, just as lip service to the, uh, you know, app that we use. Spotify Spotify for podcasters is very easy and good and worth it if you want to start a podcast. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. Do you guys, like, edit it after, or is it –
0: Nope. Everyone
1: (laughs) – I mean, you (laughs)
0: technically can, but part of our shtick is that they're unedited. Right, right. um, I mean, I've trimmed, like, some of them, but it's very um, avant-garde guerrilla style. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. uh, I like that. I mean, I guess you guys have talked about that before in previous episodes or... The first one, at least. Yes. Um,
0: so while we wait for Ty, do you want to go ahead and maybe say? So, what we've done. Oh. Hello. Welcome.
2: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Welcome.
1: Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> welcome to your podcast. Welcome to welcome the, the View. To I'm Barbara
2: podcast. Walters. And <laughs> how did I get here? <laughs>
0: um so we were just kind of doing some housekeeping um so but as always you know who we are um but I was just about to ask Erin um the piece of media that we have watched for this episode and the conversation that we wanted to talk about
1: yeah yeah so I had Caitlin and Ty watch one of It's like in my top, I'd say, 25 <laughs> movies um, <laughs> called The Fountain, directed by the one and only Darren Aronofsky. Um, I love him. He's like one of my favorite directors. And I think it was like the first time I knew I wanted to do film stuff was when I saw Requiem for a Dream in 7th grade I was at a friend's house and her brother put it on and if you've seen that movie you know that it is not for the eyes of a 12 year old so um, no not at all but I was like this is insane like the visuals so crazy Um but anyways yeah so he directed that movie and I guess the idea was to talk a- today we're covering the very light subject of death <laughs> But no, we wanted to, I don't know. The movie is um, about death and the afterlife and um, chronic illness. And so, yeah. Yep. I wanted um, to
2: actually first, if we could, just to welcome and introduce Aaron, who we've wanted to have on the show for some time, who's been a very devoted and attentive listener, um, which is wonderful. And so we always love to have people who are inspired by the conversations we have on the podcast themselves so I was thinking I think Aaron we've known each other for a long time since like Mm -hmm. kindergarten really Um, yeah we went to the same elementary school so uh, much like our other friend Aaron a different Aaron who appeared on a previous podcast episode it's really great to have a, a childhood friend and someone who's been in my and our circles for a long time on the podcast as well so welcome
1: yeah thank you yeah I'm a little behind on the newer episodes but I have really enjoyed your guys's hearing your guys's voices it's it's funny because it's like I think that we didn't even really start to realize that we were friends until it was like late high school and then into college was when kind of We didn't live in the same place, but we stayed in contact all these years. And it's cool to have um, that kind of different way of forming a friendship. But, um, yeah, it's nice. It's kind of like a comforting thing to listen to you guys talk. And I always enjoy the content, so it's fun. I'm really happy that you guys wanted to do this with me when I first heard it. And I was like, oh, they have Friends, on I was like, maybe I'll do it sometime. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Finally, making it happen. I've um, kind of been trying for a while. But... <laughs> yeah, Here I finally
0: actually watched this film. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if we've mentioned the film is called The Fountain, um, and it is about the things that Aaron mentioned, um, and I want to. Maybe kind of go around and talk about, like, just our impressions of it and um, maybe start with you, Erin, because you you were the one who picked it to want to talk about. So you just recently – you just rewatched it, correct?
1: Yeah, For literally today. Okay. <laughs> well, I watched it literally recently. Literally today. <laughs> and then today I also rewatched gotcha. it. Gotcha. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I, w- I will say I was, like, fairly unimpressed and a little confused Um, I thought that, like, as usual, the visuals were really striking, and, um, I mean, the general theme and, um, I don't know, you know, the metaphors and analogies that it alludes to sat with me, but I kind of, frankly, was a little, like, eh about the movie. Um, And then I watched it again, and again, (laughs) and each time I've grown more fond of it, and This today was probably now, like, my, I don't know, maybe seventh or eighth time, Um, and, yeah, I I think I find new things to like about it, and um, I think when you know what's coming in any movie, there's maybe, like, a different appreciation for it, and you see things you didn't before because you're not paying attention to the plot or, like, thinking about the ending as much as you are um, seeing the little things, so, yeah, I don't know, I... Um, I kind of relate to uh, some of the feelings that are uh, captured in this. And so I kind of think that that's a big reason why it it sits with me so much, which we can get into. But yeah, I am curious to hear your guys' impression. I saw your letterbox review, Caitlin. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, Ty, go ahead. And then I'll we'll just do it that way
2: sure yeah um maybe also to give a little bit of a sense of the plot um this is a kind of film that's sort of structured in a very layered way um there's kind of a variety of intersecting plot lines and storylines happening simultaneously um but the kind of spine of it or the kind of backbone of it centers around this relationship between uh two people tommy and izzy um Tommy is this kind of cutting edge experimental doctor who is really interested in finding a kind of, I don't know, what would I call it? Like a kind of fountain of youth, but in modern medical terms, um, something that can allow people to overcome all kinds of very severe illnesses um, and perhaps even kind of find a hack or a kind of a work around around death basically that's his occupation at the same time his his wife his partner Izzy is passing away of a terminal illness a kind of brain tumor um on top of this she's also uh written a manuscript that's almost complete about the story of a conquistador um who's trying to save Spain in the face of the Inquisition um and it's kind of commissioned by the queen of Spain to go to the new world and to find some sort of elixir of life that will somehow revive Spain um, and kind of cure Spain of its, its kind of social and political ills. Um, furthermore, on top of this, and I think we'll probably get more into the discussion about kind of the nuances and intricacies of these kind of three worlds. There's also another character who <laughs> um, is in some sort of like metaphysical plane and is attending to and trying to save this kind of dying tree of life um by the way also um, both izzy and tommy are kind of iterated as characters in each of these three sort of layers of plot that are happening at the same time my impression though kind of of this film in general um yeah i guess i found it in some ways both very striking and very thoughtful and I, I was really impressed by the kind of intricacies that happen in this film and I had the sense also that it's a film I would like to watch a couple of times more at least um mm-hmm. like as you say and there's there's a lot of I don't know it's a very uh how would I say there's a lot of relationality in the film and so you can read different kinds of moments or scenarios of it from sort of three different perspectives mm-hmm. at least kind of in in tandem with these three different Plot lines or kind of storylines that are happening at the same time. I like films like that. I like films where there's a lot of liberty to interpret things as you would like. Um, I don't know. I guess I was just one thing that I kind, of, I kind of took away was Tommy's character, who's very bitter for a lot of this film about um, Izzy's illness and is really in a lot of conflict with the fact that she is dying. Um, and really, I think also with his own mortality which is not sort of directly a part of the plot of the film but isn't kind of implied I think in a lot of ways that uh, his own refusal of the fact that Izzy is dying is also in turn a refusal of his own mortality um yeah yeah and I think throughout the film we don't really see him exactly not until kind of like the final moments of this film do we see him somehow surrender to this and it seems like Mm -hmm. that's kind of one key message of the film is sort of a surrender to the inevitable Mm -hmm. um and by contrast izzy's character is someone who finds beauty and creativity and a kind of poetry in death and a a real resolute acceptance of the fact of her own mortality um i I think i don't know their their own characters were just they're 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 very polar characters um And I think, I don't know, it would have been just interesting if this film had been a little bit more mundane in certain ways. I like the kind of epic quality of it, um, but also I was kind of curious, like, what if this had taken place, like, in circumstances that were more ordinary or kind of, like, less mythical? Um, Yeah, all in all, though, I think it was a great film to kind of relax into in a way or to, how would I put it, kind of saturate yourself into. I think there's a lot to feel, observe, and kind of contemplate in this film
1: yeah
0: yeah um yeah as you were saying that it just kind of the layered quality of it reminded me of everything everywhere all at once Mm. just like just like the time kind of um it's like the snippets of each lives like one of the three lives It felt kind of like just taking like a snapshot of each of the lives that are present in that film Um, and I liked the quality of that. I like this kind of like, um, you know, archetypal, like the conquistador fighting for his queen. And like, obviously he loves her in that like reality. And then being married and in, you know, modern times and being a doctor and she's ill. And, um, then in the kind of like futuristic, uh, space realm um she's a tree and he's you know trying to save her um as like not even like a human entity Mm -hmm. and so i loved i loved these kind of like interplays of like um Well, anything with like a past life sort of thing I (laughs) fuck with. Give um, me a past life and I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's so true. Like any of those like time traveling fucking movies like about time (laughs) or like you know, just like that kind of like um you know, time is present in this movie because it's you know, it's there's like an end date to our lives, right? Like we all have expiration dates, but the fact that time also serves as this player of like you're alive in like another universe or something is like, I don't know. I really love that kind of Mm -hmm. idea or just that kind of like um, offer that this film gives of like, yes, they're, they're married and she's ill and going to die. And he's a doctor fighting, for her in this life but that doesn't mean that they haven't had other lives together and will have other lives together I think like kind of just was I mean it was odd the way the way that it's treated is like not fluffy or um saccharine in any way but it is somewhat comforting in a kind of odd um all-encompassing way and I I think that's what I liked the most about a um I gave it, a, I think, a three and a half on on Letterboxd. Um, and, like, I don't know. I think, to echo both of you, I think maybe I, I would get more out of it if I watched it a couple more times. Um, but it was just that I <laughs> – part of what I couldn't get past was that it was just so 2006, you know, <laughs> just, like, with, like, the – um the visuals and they I mean some of them were really like super cool I'm thinking anything but like at the tree and all the flowers like burst from him and like he's like being eaten Mm -hmm. by the earth but um like I don't know I just (laughs) there like it was just a little bit cheesy like just a bit too cheesy for me to like be completely enthralled with it I guess um and I don't know. it was very clearly like to speak from it from like a film you know quote unquote buff it like i it was very aronofsky mm-hmm. um it definitely had that like aronofsky tone, um which I've seen Requiem for a Dream, it's been a really long time um I've seen other films of his, and it that I could see the tone that was present. I'm not, like, I I don't dislike him, but it's, he's not, like, my super favorite either. Um, but I would just say, like, as a film person, that tone is very, the uh, the auteurship of him is present in this
1: film. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I think he's definitely like a, he has a specific filmmaking technique and visual.
2: I was just thinking it reminds me of, like, At the end of Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, where (laughs) Frodo's like waking up from his near death experience and like long journey, and there's that uh, very angelic lighting when they're in Rivendell, and like it's very washed (laughs) out, like beauty, like the beauty filter. It's a very beauty filter film. There's a lot of
1: it's like the white vignettes everywhere. Yes, (laughs) yes, yeah. I think Um, to kind of like speak on that, um the cheesiness part of it, Caitlin. Um, I mean, really, like, I interpret a lot of this film to be a love story, and I think there's something to be said about the way he writes how much um, Tommy's character loves Izzy, and that also makes it really sad and... Mm. um, Yeah, I just think that, like, you know, when you put, if you were to, like, put yourself in his shoes, it's this sort of, like, he feels, like, alone in this, like, journey of trying to save the person he loves the most in the world, and she's, like, ready to die, and it's really, it's really quite sad, but it's, um... It's also kind of like a beautiful love story, between, you know, mm. someone yeah, that's I think... dealing with something that's like so, 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 bi- so much bigger than what like he could even imagine, and she's right. like going through that and like this solo journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think they're both you know, they're on their own journeys in their own ways. Right. Like she, ha- she has to be the one to face dying. Yeah. And he's the one that has to face losing her. And um, I think it's really, I think part of the movie too, that the kind of sharp moments that were the most sad were like, he is so close to finding a cure in each of these realities, like literally moments before death in Mm -hmm. each of these realities that it's like inevitable. Mm -hmm. Like the timing was just like not correct for like something to happen. And I think that's like maybe the saddest part of it all is like he, you know, at the end he like gets the, the seed or whatever like we we interpret the he went out and got what he was looking for and it's already too late yeah mm. Um, and so I think that's you know kind of like a big part of this film too is like um, maybe the theme of like I don't know like doing the journey anyway or like finding <laughs> like finding the the antidote um mm. but it's all for not like a kind of like it's all for fucking nothing kind of vibe which mm. that's like a horrible scary thought like that's like the worst thing ever it's like okay so just go through all of that for literally no reason mm. yeah and like yeah. maybe not maybe not for no reason but you know because apparently like in his in the modern day times, like, he f- he's found this cure and, like, obviously that's going to help people, but it can't help the one person that he wanted it for mm-hmm. and that he mm-hmm. keeps saying that he wants it for. Like, he's he's working so doggedly for her.
1: Right. And uh, all the meanwhile, he's, like, losing time with her while she's still alive just because right. he's, like, so dead set on this this thing to, to try and reverse the inevitable, frankly. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, they have, like, I'm really struck by these two very different attitudes towards death that they have, like, on the one hand, yeah, Tommy characterizes death as, like, it's a disease like any other that has to be cured, it's a problem, it's an inconvenience, it's a a bad thing, always, and on the other hand, Izzy sort of relates to death more blissfully, or much more blissfully, and I think sees it as... And this is kind of also like iterated in the the story that she writes that kind of comes to life in mm-hmm. that layer of the film. But death is a kind of union with God or I don't know, a union with totality. Um, and is actually therefore something peaceful and kind of, um, I don't know, brings about a kind of awakening with it. Death is actually, it reveals a kind of, beautiful truth that's sort of just underneath things all of the time um and she's very therefore she can relate to death very peacefully and fully and wholly um and yeah by contrast tommy hasn't really made that connection and so approaches it approaches things with a great deal of fear um and this kind of fix it attitude um he sees death you know the most natural and inevitable thing as a problem Um, which is a I don't know on the one hand like a a logical but also a very funny way to relate to death in a lot of ways
1: yeah especially as a doctor it's like this Mm. kind of like interesting um, paradox it's like I don't know something you see every day probably but you also I think it's it mostly like comes down to his love for his wife and the the wanting, like he says at the part where she's like telling him, like it it felt, I felt ready and it felt good and I wasn't scared. He's Mm -hmm. like, I want you to be with me at that, you know, and it's like this kind of selfish attitude because he just doesn't want to let her go. But Mm -hmm. he knows that he knows that the, the inevitable is coming, but it is like, he just wants her there. So yeah, that's a, a good point.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was um, driving around. <laughs> it's obviously fall at the moment. We're on the eve of Halloween. Um, and I was driving around the other day and it's just beautiful here in Colorado at the moment. The trees are all kinds of shades of yellow and orange and brown and some, a little bit of green green clinging on here and there. And I was going for a drive around sunset and it was just beautiful. And I was just really taken by the color of the hills and the mountains and all the trees that were all around. And I realized as I was driving that all of this is dying. All of this is like very much actively um, and you know empirically in the act of death And kind of in the process of death, um, the trees, of course, look this way because they're uh, the leaves are falling and the the trees are sort of going dormant for winter. Um, And it was really beautiful, actually, to kind of make that connection that dying is really beautiful um, or can be. Right. Um, I I think we tend to separate or really think about what is beautiful um, as something that's very separate from dying and from death um i don't know but this kind of there's this sort of like blissful ephemeral quality i think that again izzy's character sort of represents in this film um someone who i think i I mean we get the sense that probably her whole life has been lived much the same that she had a full and appreciative life because she recognized the i don't know kind of that life is not the rule, but rather the exception. And therefore it's something to be especially cherished and especially um, appreciated in all of its, you know, kind of both spectacular and mundane qualities. Um, And again, I I mean, Tommy is, he's kind of, I don't know, I'm just really struck by how impoverished his own attitude is. Um, He seems to have not really gotten the message that, um, A, that death is inevitable that it's kind of just the name of the game. And then B also that this should in turn or can in turn inspire um, a very full relationship with life. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's another message to kind of just introduce into the conversation more generally too is like, how does the knowledge of death inform or could it inform the way in which one lives and the way in which one appreciates one's life
1: yeah, I actually want to speak on that from like a personal standpoint and kind of I think maybe my my um affinity for this film. So for a lot of my life and most most prominently in college, I I was struggling and at points suffering from hypochondria. I think it was just like a a way that my anxiety manifested. Um And once I kind of got down to the root of things, it was very much like a connection to the relationship I had with my mom and feeling that she was my, like, ultimate protector. And when I was sick, I knew that she would be there and wouldn't, like, abandon me in that time. And um, so... I think just being a college student and having to support myself through college and stuff, there's already so much anxiety that came along with that, but it just manifested in this like really intense way in, into me being really bad hypochondriac. And so I always was scared of getting sick. I was constantly scared of being chronically ill or, um, um, yeah, suffering was something that was going to make me die. Um, and I think that there were points where I had, you know, had to reflect and ask myself, is it that I'm scared of being sick or is it that I'm scared of dying? Because mm. I think I was really, really afraid of dying. And I was really scared of like what death meant and what it, um, what it would bring and, um, yeah, I, I definitely had um some intense moments of, like, being in the hospital, knowing nothing was wrong deep down, but almost wanting them to tell me something was wrong because I felt like maybe it would bring some sort of peace of mind in this fucked up, like, I don't know paradoxical way of like this is my worst nightmare but if it's if it's here then it's tangible and it's not just in my Mm -hmm. head um and I luckily worked through that um I guess mental illness um and have since done a lot of reflecting on that time in my life um because i guess like to the people that were closest to me at the time they really saw the the worst of it um but i didn't really at the at the time i wasn't really able to like fully you know comprehend and like grasp what it all meant and like why it was something that i struggled with so much and so now that i am much better and don't struggle with that as much um i can kind of reflect on how it has affected me and what it means for me now and moving forward with a better, um, state of mind and like ways of handling my stress and my anxiety and, um, also just general like sickness. I mean, it sucks to be sick. And, um, so anyways, I think that something that has been like a big, something I've thought about a lot and, um, in time since is that, when you're chronically ill, you have time to grieve your own death. And I think that that's like a really interesting and kind of, I don't know, like in a way it's something we can all do, but, you know, we don't because we don't think we're going to die. Or at least we know we're going to die, but we don't think we're going to die right then. And so... In a way, it almost feels lucky that people get to do that, and you really see that with Izzy's characters. Like, she's scared, but and struggling, but then, you know, she's learning all of these things about death, and she's um, she's ready. She's accepting it, and um, I think that that's I don't know. In a way, the the grieving your own death thing is maybe something that I thought might make it easier. Like when I was saying, I almost wanted them to tell me something was wrong. It was like, well, then at least Mm. I get to have this knowledge and then I can sit with it and think about it instead of just, you know, wondering when, when is my time? When is my time? Mm. What's it going to be for me? Like, you know, and always having these kind of like horrible Morbid thoughts of my own death and stuff, instead of having this like knowledge that, like, this sickness is the thing that's going to kill me, so now I can take that and move forward with that knowledge instead of the you know, the unknown. And that's, I guess, what it really comes down to is the fear of the unknown,
2: Mm. Mm. yeah. This reminds me of, similarly, but maybe iterated a little bit differently, an experience in college or kind of a period of experience in college of having a very dissociative relationship with death and kind of the recognition of death, um, where, I don't know, I I was just recalling like this one night where I was late on campus at a library and really tired and kind of just preparing I think for some tests the next day and out of nowhere like this kind of just like cloud of like really intense dread just kind of surrounded me um and it it was like the there was like both the presence of like my own like incarnation in that in that moment but also like the sense of the opposite of that um and this really kind of confused and um yeah just like dreadful haze kind of came over me and I think like for a period especially yeah just like kind of throughout college and kind of you know becoming an adult and kind of yeah coming into adulthood I think a big part of that is somehow coming to terms with one's own death the death of people around you death in general just as a fact of life as a whole um and learning how to kind of hold these opposites of existence and non-existence. Um, I was thinking as you were speaking also, um, the philosopher Heidegger talks about death as the the possibility of your own impossibility Mm. and sort of thinks about how ultimately it's by coming into kind of authentic and encompassing and a more kind of responsible relationship with death and in particular one's own death that one becomes oneself basically that only until there is a kind of full and sincere acknowledgement of that and appreciation of that um only then can one become what one is um Mm -hmm and i think i'm just thinking like culturally also like certainly in north america and like in the us especially how we have a very divorced relationship with death it's something that's out there it's away it's bad it should not be seen or talked about or touched you know it's um it's just the antithesis of a lot of what we take everyday life to be or at least that's the story i think that's told um yeah in north america um and I think really the opposite is true and one thing again that this, this one gets out is the the deep presence of death in everything and in every every part of life it's it's um life is only made possible by death also um mm-hmm. or life is only life because there is an opposite of life um but an opposite that's not so separate but rather just the kind of converse side i guess of life
0: yeah um i want to go back to what you were saying about kind of becoming full in your own Um, a lot of (laughs) through this movie i was thinking a lot about the line of course i would bring this up just because i'm me but um in jesus christ superstar there's a line (laughs) where he says um it's in one of my favorite songs actually, but he says to conquer death, you only have to die. And mm-hmm. by, you know, by embracing death, you know, in the story, like the story of Jesus, nonwithstanding, y- you've done all there is to do. And mm-hmm. the, the, a lot of us, fear so much is the only thing that is sure to happen to us eventually. Mm. And we spend our, we can spend our whole lives being afraid of it or we can, you know, put it out of our minds for the time being, which I think most of us culturally, that's what we do is we just forget that we're finite beings and we live our lives until that end just becomes apparent or like I don't know. There's uh, not that I, I don't think I am this way or I don't think that it's necessarily like a gift or whatever to be this way. But I think there is like, there has to be a third way of like, or, you know, more than third way of kind of embracing just that reality um, in a not scary way. I think, um, I think it's really interesting that it's so present and yet we still fear it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, I, I recently, like not recently, but just kind of my life, like I'm super interested in mediumship. I'm super interested in like, just quote unquote, the other side. Um, And, you know, as I think both of you know, Um, I wouldn't say that my dad is terminally ill. I don't think it's at a point where I feel comfortable saying that about him, but he is sick. And that's been very prevalent for me in the past couple of years of just kind of like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I, well, I told my mom, not him the other day, I was like, I was like, you better, like, get a playlist of songs that you're going to, like, throw to me from the other side. Or, like, just, you know, create your list of shit that I need to be on the lookout for. Like, it needs to be, like, figure it out so that I can have a playbook for when you're gone, basically. (laughs) And this is, like, I I also want to share. I think I've told you guys this story both separately. um, And I'll try to make it kind of, like, a quick um not drawn out version of it um i just think it's cool and i think it's a different way to think about death um like a not necessarily more lighthearted version but just like um anyway so i was watching tv with my mom one night and she really likes the show bones um it's a detective show for those of you who are unaware and uh, bones is like this super skeptical detective And she tells her partner, her detective partner, she goes, death is very final, Booth. And at that moment, we heard, like, something fall off of this shelf that we have um, by our TV. And at first, (laughs) at first, we thought it was a mouse um, because (laughs) we've been having some mouse trauma in our house. But um, it wasn't a mouse. It was a huge stack of photographs that had fallen in this in this tiny crack in between the shelves and like splayed like splayed all of these photos um like Mm. on this shelf that we could see that was like below eye level and so we went over and well she we we thought we heard it on the shelf that the pictures of my mom's parents who are now dead from and it did come from that shelf, but we figured out what it was and we picked we were picking up all these photos and every it, not in every photo, but more than half of the photos there was someone that we knew that had died in them, like mm-hmm. my mom's mm-hmm. best friend, my mom's best friend's husband. like mm-hmm. um it really was centric around her actually. it was like there were a bunch of pictures of like her daughter who was my sister's best friend with, like, a puppy, like, a few of those pictures and just, like, a bunch. And then, um, like, a, a bunch of pictures of my parents' wedding and a bunch of their friends who were at their wedding that have since passed. And um, then in the morning, like, we had forgot or, like, there were a couple more pictures that we didn't see. And it was like my uncle who died pretty recently, like a bunch, like a bunch of people. And so uh, we just thought that was like the spookiest yet like really yeah. like interesting sort of, you know, if you want to call it a coincidence, sure. But the fact that it fell exactly when she said, Death is not final booth or death mm. is final booth are reaction was okay that's like all of our friends and family being like bitch no it ain't <laughs> like <laughs> like we we're about to show you like we're still here you know mm. Um, so you know little if you want to take that as a Halloween spooky story then cool <laughs> but we took like we it was spooky but mm. it wasn't scary like it wasn't there was nothing about that that was like scary mm. to me and just like I don't know as a kid I was like very (laughs) I I was scared of like the idea of like ghosts and like spirits and like dead people coming back and whatever Mm. but like when you live long enough like all those people are like people that you loved Mm. and like still love and um you know not to be cheesy but like I it makes me think of like the quote grief is just love with nowhere to go and I don't know I just think Mm -hmm. about that a lot where like as my life goes on more and more people that I love are gonna die that's just inevitable Mm -hmm. that's just what life is and it's of course that's gonna be sad and of course that's gonna be like super super fucking painful but I think it's what we do in the face of that inevitability that You know, as Ty was saying about how the character Izzy treats her Mm -hmm. life, it's like, what do we do in the face of that? Do we sit and be fucking pissed off that we can't find a cure for this tumor? Or do we go outside and play in the snow Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, attack it with a playful attitude or just sink into life as we can while we're still here? (laughs) <laughs> um yeah i don't know i've been it, <laughs> this made me this movie and just like like you were saying also ty like this time of year has just about death a lot and it's not about my own death it's not about really anybody's death It's just kind of like death in mm. general and like how i don't know it's just interesting Mm-hmm. and not and like and not necessarily in a morbid way, it's just like a very interesting thing about reality that we find ourselves facing every day, and mm-hmm. yet we can either push it down
2: mm-hmm. or
0: be scared of it or you know find other ways to to deal with it, yeah, yeah.
2: also it made me think of already. Another thing is that all of us have already died and in countless ways, um, if we think about death in another way as as the end or transformation of things, um, you know we've all died to who we were yesterday or a week ago or the five-year-old child Our that versions all of, of us once that worked were... at the
0: bonton
2: <laughs> yeah or all when right, I worked keep... at natural Cultures. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was dead like um i uh, <laughs> no, but um yeah like i don't know if you look at a photograph of yourself from your childhood or from another period in your life that's you are not that person um mm-hmm. there's the illusion or the this i don't know the kind of perception that there is and there is some continuity right but i mean i don't know in very literal terms i'm thinking about how like ourselves for example entirely regenerate every what seven years or so so physically if you want to even just be as literal as that um who you were 7 14 etc years ago um is no longer the you know so if you are to look at a photograph of yourself from some time ago um you are tangibly looking at a different person at a person who has died cell by cell by cell mm-hmm. um, and I think just to become acquainted, like, with death or, like, friendly with death at a more granular level um, is a really nice starting point um, to, I guess, being inspired or being mm, kind of awakened by death. I mean, it seems that there's a quality of death of, like, you know, in a situation where maybe someone close to you passes away or... um, you have a, a kind of near-death experience yourself, or you just sort of encounter death in in, a, in one way or another, there's something about that really, that really wakes you up, um, or that can be one experience that you might have. Um, and I think that's a really generative way, as you say, also to like, to reckon with death or to be in conversation or to dance with death. Mm. I was thinking also... Um, bit of a tangent but like um I was thinking of like friends of mine who who are who smoke and um versus friends like who who don't smoke or I don't know friends who just have like kind of riskier lifestyles in whatever way not just smoking but I don't know go on crazy adventures or just like kind of find themselves in all sorts of odd situations and I I really feel kind of just drawn to people who risk things in one way or another, Um, and it seems that actually to be alive is to be close to death, or you become more alive by being closer to death, by being more vulnerable to death, or acknowledging your vulnerability and kind of leaning into your vulnerability to death. Um, I mean, I think there's limits to that as well. It's not just like a matter of waking up every day and doing all sorts of crazy stunts, but can you take some risks right can you put your own kind of i don't know can you you loosen up from the idea that you're going to be here forever and in so doing can you actually take healthy and kind of meaningful risks in your life um that's like one aspect i think also that comes up for me in becoming acquainted with death well
0: um also just to do a quick shout out to mhs and you know someone we all know drew herders senior quote and i think about this uh, probably a lot more than is like normal but drew herders senior quote was and is every day i almost die is another (laughs) day i live
1: Mm.
0: and i think about that so fucking much (laughs) like (laughs) um
1: yeah there's like
0: a, a whole lot we could say about that but yeah Yes,
1: well, something that this all comes back to is in, in general, like not just with life itself, but with things in our life, something that makes moments or times or memories or friendships or relationships or whatever, and life in general, something that makes that so precious is that is the temporality of it. I mean, it's like, we all know that there's an end point and if there wasn't then it would be Mm
2: -hmm.
1: impossible to feel the um and i mean there's of course we don't think about it every single day but i think that just i think that even if you don't quote live every day like it's your last um I still think that that knowledge is there always. And we we live like that whether we want to or not because mm. death is around us all the time. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, have you guys seen The Good Place? No, uh, no, I haven't. Well, quick kind of like rundown on it. It's, it's about like the afterlife and these four people go – to the good place, quote, and um, they realize while they're there that they're, like, not supposed to be there. They're, like, either the wrong person or whatever. Um, and it's, a, it's, like, a funny, it's, like, a comedy, but it actually has some really great, like, fil- philosophical messages. Um, but spoiler alert, at the end, um, they are they find, like, the real good place because they find out that, like, the place they're in isn't actually... And everyone is kind of like a zombie like and they're like, why is this like this is like the best thing you can have whatever you want for eternity. And they realize like, this isn't good anymore, because it never ends. And you might have fun for a little bit with the knowledge that you know, you're living in an eternal utopia. But um, what would make this better is that there is a foreseeable end. And Mm -hmm. so the kind of, like, ending of the show is, like, they create this, like, way to, like, fully dissipate and not, like, live in eternity. And you just, like, walk through a gate, basically, to, like, become nothing. And um, so everyone that's now in, like, the good place, like, eternity is, like, having so much more fun because one day they can just choose to end that and walk through the gate which I mean it's like a comedy show but I think it is like kind of an, an interesting point and it's it is again to the point of like the temporality of everything is like what makes things so precious and the time that we spend here and with each other and what we choose to do with that is um it, it's precious and it's really important and special how you choose to do that because it's not forever yeah <laughs> I love
0: that even though <laughs> I used to be I mean I still kind of am when I when I think about it too long I really like I my mind starts <laughs> to freak out and I start to like really not have a good time um, <laughs> so I, I like the the uh, the embrace the 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 embracement of getting to have an end because sometimes i'm like when i think about the quote the idea of forever i start to fucking freak the
1: fuck out (laughs) yeah it is hard to wrap your mind around like eternity Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i also wanted to another thought that i just wanted to raise was um i guess like the politics of life and death also like why do we grieve some lives more in some lives versus others? Um, Like what makes one life or one death more recognizable than another? Um, I've just been really, as I'm sure a lot of people have been, um, you know, my mind and heart has just really been on the situation in Gaza that's going on at the moment where, you know, a a society... um, that's been under oppressed and, you know, under apartheid for many decades is now even further and more severely being persecuted and, and sort of strangled at the moment. And, you know, all kinds of people, incredibly vulnerable people, you know, children, elderly people, among other other people as well, being um, starved and being having water and food, stripped from them and um you know hospitals um medical centers being targeted and, instro- and destroyed and you know um all of that's just very almost impossible to i don't know to comprehend um from mm-hmm. so many angles uh and i mean that's a question too why do we whose deaths get to be recognized and kind of honored and valued. And I think at least in terms of humans, you know, every, every life and every death matters and it matters or should matter equally. Um, In practice though, you know, this is also a question of who has the power to say which deaths or which lives matter um, more than others. Um, And simply because we, it's, it, a death is not, I don't know, in our immediate view or kind of in our immediate experience doesn't mean that it's any less significant than Mm -hmm. the death of something or someone near us. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's also, I don't know, that just for me, that just to kind of sit with that opens up my perspective too and inspires a different kind of ethical or a, a, a broader ethical relationship or attitude towards death. Also just the thought that, everyone around you will lose everyone and everything they love or, you know, many things that they love, uh, and will also die just as you will. And so something about that understanding, I think really activates a lot of compassion, which is such a, I don't know, a very radical and powerful, um, force to have on your side and to kind of, I guess, become a little bit more emotionally intelligent and kind of sensate through that understanding as well um, can do a lot.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I think something that has really struck me about the the war and the Gaza attacks is the sheer amount of people dying and at the rate that it's happening is like nothing Mm. I've ever witnessed before. Um, at least in my, like, you know, a- adulthood at, as a person that is more um, conscious of what's going on. Um, and it's really, like, I was listening to just, like, a little, like, the New York Times Daily today. And um, they were talking to a woman from Gaza and she was talking about how in the span of like less than a week, she lost 70 people close to her, like mm-hmm. family, friends. And it's like, I mean, we experience um, death, you know, in on a level that is like, you know, every once in a while someone we went to high school with or, you know, a family member that we maybe expected or didn't expect but the rate at which it comes even if it's tragic and horrible when it does happen the rate that it happens is I don't know maybe normal um and I guess that it's like just seeing being a witness to this like the capacity that it's happening at is like really, really intense and hard to wrap your mind around and just um, that's like something I think that's been like on the emotional side for me with all of this is like, I mean, I, I just think about like the, the energy, I guess, that like that creates and also is being taken away from earth like all at once you know Mm. it's so massive and um yeah I just can't I can't visualize or picture like what the future is going to be like with and I mean war has been going on you know since the dawn of time so this isn't the first time that massive death has happened and genocide we know that of course but it's like having this like I don't know Like, the the awareness that I think I have about it now, as opposed to, like, Afghanistan or, um, you
2: know, Mm -hmm. something
1: that was in our lifetime, but I wasn't really consciously aware of is, um, yeah, I think it's that, like, just the capacity and the rate is, it's so insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it does create and destroy a lot of energy and, like, really shifts, shifts things and yeah i don't know it's really it's really crazy that like we're seeing this like happen you Mm -hmm. know and like Mm -hmm. just being like living through this part of history is like i don't know really surreal right now i think Mm -hmm. for a lot of people and uh, especially obviously for the ones who are actually there and losing their lives experiencing the 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 loss of so much you know and not even just human lives you know it's like their entire fucking world is being Mm -hmm. is crumbling and i don't know it's just a lot of a lot of suffering at the hands of you know just I could, I could go off about mm. <laughs> shit, but like, yeah. just the... Just people in power um, and you know, of course, I think we're all, all... The three of us are on the same page of, like, of course, like, not condoning terrorist attacks, especially like, anti-Semitic ones, but it's gone beyond a quote-unquote slap on the wrist it's like not not good shit going
2: down our lives are profoundly enmeshed and so are our deaths and i wanted to leave we'll leave some links to aid resources also in the comments for today's show um i realize we're just over our hour limit but let's see if we can keep going it looks like we can yeah um for whatever reason
0: like on the on the like calls like the when people call in we can go over an hour <laughs> i don't really understand okay. but it's fine cool. we're good
2: <laughs> yeah yeah just to say um that yeah that our, our lives are of course so profoundly enmeshed and related but our deaths are as well and it matters that and there's also deep implicacy right that the suffering and, and deaths and, you know, needless deaths of people maybe that seem very distant from you um, are actually not as distant as they might appear. Um, And I think it's also, again, this has to do, I think with this kind of ethic of appreciating these relations and appreciating that actually you can also have a say or make a difference or mm, we can all have more dignified lives and deaths. I think that's more possible. That is possible to some end. Mm -hmm. um, And it is possible to make a difference. And anyway, I just wanted to say also practically, um, I did want to leave a few links to um, a few fund, relief funds and organizations that um, would be relevant to donate to at this time. Um, Even five, 10, $20, if that takes place among A number of people that does make a difference, or that can be felt in actually tangibly offering relief or decreasing suffering. So, we'll leave some resources in the notes for the show as well.
0: We have a fucking platform,
2: (laughs) and hopefully, it reaches people. You know, like yeah, yeah. This is that's a way of saying also, you know, whatever platform you do have, or however you are in the world, use that. You know, and Mm. If everyone does that, I think it's just it is very encouraging and emboldening from just kind of just the little locus of our own hometown podcast to <laughs> ripple outwards somehow.
0: The pride of Montrose
2: mm. is actually <laughs> us. <laughs> the, the disgrace of mantras. The, dis- <laughs> the
0: disgrace of Mantras.
1: <laughs> the radicals out there and the- yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing that up and um it's a difficult conversation, you know. I think it's it's so everywhere right now, so it's like it's it's inevitable not to see and talk about it, but I think that it's important to have the right conversations and keep learning. I that's the biggest thing I've been trying to do with this because I think I was frankly, I'm pretty uneducated on the, the conflict before all of this. So I've been trying to um, learn what I can in all ways. But yeah, I think talking about the horrificness of it is uncomfortable, but yeah, it's, it's real, you know, it's, it's death, a mm. lot of death. Mhm.
0: Yeah. And just I don't know. I just feel me me being astrological astrologically minded like it's very interesting that like all of these things are going on at this time of year and at the kind of astrological point that we're at. I'm not I won't go into details, but like there's like a lot of shifting happening and um I don't know it's just I find it just like fascinating not a morbid way also just like in a general way of just like the mirror that astrology like Mm. or you know vice versa as above so below um, has been happening so I don't know do we have some (laughs) final thoughts on finality
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. on
0: life being final
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. well actually maybe to say something different from that I have lately really been coming into touch with I guess yeah like the the idea or the experience of the recurrence of life or like I don't know just like meeting people and having this sensation of like oh we've definitely met before like we've I just recognize you and you recognize me and this recognition is shared and felt. And, you know, that could, you could explain that in a number of ways, but to me, it seems to like kind of point to or or gesture towards like, well, yeah, like there's a reason for that feeling. It's because there has been an encounter between souls or between kind of spiritual essences at some point um, within time. Um, Or at least I like to, entertain that and kind of make space for that that possibility um and I don't know I guess I'm not saying anything conclusive here I'm not putting my foot down one way or another uh but it's I think it's pretty fun more to than think th- about <laughs> but <laughs> things do recur you know I, I don't think yes you know our biological existence is finite as it is right our our egos are one and done, you could say, but I think there is a big continuum of like a shared soul that, like a soul mm-hmm. of life that mm-hmm. happens again and again and again and again. And and in that way, um, death is just kind of like the recycling bin to new life. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's something that is said in The Fountain that she brings up to him when she's kind of going through her revelation. Um, She asks him, what do you think about that concept, the concept that death is an act of creation? Mm -hmm. Um, And he doesn't answer, of course, he can't. Can't be bothered to think about that, but I, I was thinking about
2: that. <laughs> well, I gotta go, babe. I gotta go do my job. Well, you can't be tripping me up with these kinds of questions.
1: <laughs> the monkey, <laughs> the monkey, Donovan, Donovan, <laughs> my son. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that is like. I I totally agree. I think that there is this oneness that um feels really really prominent at times and um i guess that's again re- relating back to the the massive de- deaths and genocides that are happening right now is like how could you not feel that and be affected by that mm. there's just this like this oneness that we're all a part of and um, i mean like we had we had talked about and said is like there's this energy that's being created and destroyed at, at all times no matter what happens but a massive amount right now so yeah i don't know death as an act of creation is like a a takeaway i guess for me big time from the film and also just generally and what I'm trying to move forward as after my my kind of stint with being really afraid of death. Mm. Totally.
0: Well, thank you for <clears throat> you know, being on and suggesting this film. Um yeah. I think this has been a really, really cool conversation and I I did not know about that. In co- for you in college, that um mm. this like hypochondriac, like, you know, like sort of mentality or this fear. So, I don't know, that was interesting to hear about. I, although I'm sure it was really distressing at the time, and I'm sure probably is at points. But thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable with that because that was, I don't know, it's just very interesting and I think poignant. For this conversation
1: too mm-hmm. yeah yeah thank you guys so much for this this has been fun it's something that like I talk about a lot more now much more casually because I have moved past it a lot but um at the time I think it was like something really hard to to come to terms with especially if people weren't witnessing it like the mm-hmm. people that I was close to and like you know my roommates and stuff at the time is like they saw the worst of the worst of it and um that was hard I think that that's like something that's hard to explain if you're not seeing it but yeah um I don't know I feel like I am so much more open to talking about death and just what it means in our everyday lives so I'm happy we got to do this I was like oh what what topic should I choose when you guys gave me autonomy on that and I was like <laughs> I don't know there's so many things we could cover that I would love to talk to you guys about but I think this this was good and fun I want you guys to like give the fountain another try or two um, I mean it sounds like you guys both had some good takeaways from it as well but I, I will say that like it was like after my third watch I think that I was like got to kind of I don't know take new things away and um there's just a lot of symbolism in it that I think Mm -hmm. is really cool when you get to see it without having to pay attention to the plot as much yeah
2: totally yeah definitely thanks for suggesting it and thank you for being present on our show
1: Yeah. yeah thank you guys so much
0: um, and as always, if you're a listener and you're our friend, definitely feel free to approach me and Ty with a subject of your own if you wanna come on and talk about it. We're always open for guests. Um but yeah, this has been the Comments Tell Podcast. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us. And thank you, Ty, for joining, co hosting. <laughs> as always.
2: And thank you for setting up the link by which we have joined this podcast. <laughs> the Comets Tale podcast. <laughs> the that Comets Tale
0: podcast. Alright, <laughs> bye guys. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. bye.